everyone. Um, so um, I wonder if any of you have met a celebrity, um, whether that's been a good experience or a bad experience. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I, have a, I used to live in London, so it was um, quite nice. It happened occasionally. Um, but I just, I never know what to say. I always end up saying something a little bit silly. Um, one time, um, I was a massive fan of, or I still am a massive fan of the Blues Brothers films, um, and I got to go and see the band, or some of the band, live. And as I was going into the toilet at the gig, Steve Cropper, the guitarist from the Blues Brothers, was going in at the same time as me. And this guy is an absolute legend, massive part of why I play music, why I, still, why I started playing music, why I still play music. He's been on hundreds of hit records. And, um, and I, <laughs> I said to him, you're Steve Cropper. He knows that. <laughs> um, and cool as a cucumber, he said back to me, well, I try to be. Um, much cooler than my approach. But um, it's, I, I hope I'm not alone in this. I don't think I'm alone in this. There's something about coming bef meeting someone who is famous or important that throws us off. We're not sure what to say. And that's when we meet humans. So how much more when we come before the almighty God, creator of everything, is it expected or not unusual for us to be like, where do I start? You know, there is so much to say, but it can be so hard to just be like, what, what, what? Um, and fortunately for us, God has given us the Psalms to help us with that. Psalms is a book right in the middle of the Bible full of songs and prayers to help give us an idea of what we can say to God when we come before him. Um, a fourth century Christian writer called Athanasius, probably not pronounced like that, said, the rest of the Bible speaks to us, the Psalms speak for us. Um, so we're doing a series at the moment on Psalms for this reason. Um, Tom, a few weeks ago, did Psalm 1. Um, last week, Roy preached on Psalm 2, so obviously this week I'm doing Psalm 4. Um, <laughs> you'll have to read Psalm 3 by yourself. Now, this psalm was written by King David, um, and it takes the form of a conversation that we can split into three sections. So part one uh, is David's initial prayer to God, um, his starting. Um, and when I say David, I'm talking like he kind of represents us, human being coming before God. Part two is God's response. What does God say? What, how does God answer? And then part three shows our response, or David's response, to God. So, let's start with Psalm 1. How do we come before God? How can we start our prayers to him? So in verse 1, David says this. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Now, the first thing is you'll notice that David says, when I call, not if I call. So the first thing I would say to you is, just pray. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then, more simply, in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17, we read, pray without ceasing. Now, yes, I started off by saying that it can be hard to know 
what we say when we start praying, but don't let that stop you, you know? I spoke to one of my favorite guitarists for five seconds and said something very silly 15 years ago, but I'm still telling that story. <laughs> I would have been much more annoyed if I hadn't said anything at all. So don't let a fear of not being exactly sure of what to say stop you coming before God. It's when I call, not if I call. We need to pray. Secondly, we should approach with, um, I'm going to call a confident humility, which I know is slightly um, oxymoron. Is that the right word? It doesn't, doesn't fit. Those are two opposite words. But David says, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. David knows, and this is even before Jesus came, that God is the source of his righteousness. It's an incredible privilege to be able to come before the king of all kings in prayer, and that is only possible because of what he has done. We, can, we, we have to be completely righteous to come before God because he is completely righteous. And we can only do that because he makes us righteous, not through our own efforts, not through our own actions or characters or the things we've done, but because of what he has done. So we come humbly because it's only through him that we are able to come at all. But we come confidently. Because that righteousness comes from God, we don't need to worry about whether it applies to us or not. Or if it's enough. Because he did it all. He is the source of total righteousness for us. And we don't have to come before him um, like nervously, like, oh, I hope this works. Um, I hope he listens. Um, like me with Steve Cropper, I was a bit like, is he going to hear? Is he just going to turn around and go, hush, civilian. I'm ready to play music. Leave me alone. Um, God chose to make us righteous. We didn't beg him. We did nothing. He made the move so we can come confidently. The second part of the verse gives us another reason for our confidence. We read, you have given me relief when I was in distress. So we have confidence for what we're praying about based on previous answers to prayers. David isn't coming before God saying, answer me when I call, out of desperation or thinking, I really hope this works because I'm in trouble. He's coming before God saying, answer me when I call, and knowing, based on, the life, based on his life and the way that God has been faithful to him and broken through in power over and over again, that God will answer. There are so many ways that we can get this confidence, that we can um, see stories of God's faithfulness to us. We can read about them in the Bible. In creation, God spoke and the universe appeared. Um, God promised Abraham when he was 100 and his wife was 90 that he would have a baby. And they had a baby. Um, when God parted the Red Sea, it says that he, he breathed through his nose. The issue wasn't can God part the Red Sea, it's that can he blow gently enough that the Israelites don't go flying off at the same time as well, um, and the Red Sea just disappears. Um, God, we can be confident. God is all-powerful. He can do it. We can look to the experience of others. This church is full of people who have loads of stories of God's faithfulness, and I hope that your life is the same, that you can look to your own experience and see where God has been faithful to you in the past and use that 
to give you the faith to pray in the first place, to know that it is effective, um, but also expand your faith as to what you pray for. You know, you are praying to the God that made all things and knows all things, and that should shape the way you pray. We've already kind of put this into action this morning when we've come before God in worship. You know, we've sung of his power and his might. We've thanked him for what he did through Jesus. We've thanked him for the cross and we've thanked him for past faithfulness. So we're ready. First step complete. Well done, guys. Um, now, if this preach was a clickbait article on the internet and you would clicked on the God who answers, this is the bit you're waiting for. Um, sorry, I have talked for quite a while about what we need to say, but we're getting to the bit where God speaks. So verse 2 to 5, God says, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Now, as a slight aside, you'll see on the screen there, um, two words that I didn't read out, says Selah twice, one in verse 2 and one in verse 4. Um, and this is a word that pops up quite frequently in the Psalms, um, and we're not 100% sure on what it means um, totally in exact translation, but it probably refers to some sort of pause in the um, song, uh, maybe an instrumental break, um, David busting out a little harp solo perhaps, but, um, sorry, what is important is that these, this word usually appears in the Psalms when we need to give specific thought to what has just come before it. Um, it's usually David or the psalmist's way of saying, I've just said something big, you need to stop and have a think about what I've just said. Um, so I'm gonna, there's a lot to, to say in how God has responded here, but I'm going to focus on the two things that come before these sailors. Um, as kind of following David's instructions, these are the bits we need to focus on. And the first one comes in verse 2. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? So God's answer isn't to immediately get to the business of what David is asking about. It's to basically say, whoa, 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 whoa. How long are you going to listen to the world around you rather than me? Are you going to listen to the lies you are hearing from your culture, or are you going to listen to my truth? Um, you see, Satan is the father of lies, and he does not want what's best for you. Quite the opposite. And that is why this world is constantly feeding you with lie after lie about what is going to give you a meaningful life. How many adverts did you see this week, this morning even, on your way to church, telling you, if you want a fulfilled life, you need this phone, you need this car, you need to look like this, you need to go here on holiday? How many adverts did you see telling you that the true source of a full life is God? Um, Tom, this morning... 
asked uh, a good question in our prayer meeting. What's your spiritual diet been this week? You know, what are you feeding yourself on? Um, because it doesn't, it doesn't seem like you see an advert or you see a post on Instagram and that is affecting your spiritual life, but it is. Because if you're not feeding yourself on truth as well, that is what you start to believe. Um, there's um, so Arnold Schwarzenegger, before he was a um, politician and an actor, was a legendary bodybuilder. Um, and there's all sorts of stories about things he would do to throw off his opponents, but apparently once before a competition, um, he came in with a load of burgers and was offering them to his competitors. Um, and it's, this is a bit like that with Satan. He's coming in and he's going, it's all right, just have a burger. It won't make a difference. But he's not doing that because he wants you to in, enjoy things. It's not out of love for you. It's because he wants you to have a burger and he gets to win, like Arnie. Arnie didn't want to feed his competitors. He wanted to win. He wanted them to lose. He didn't want what's best for them. So are you feeding on Satan's burgers or true spiritual nourishment from God? When the world says, find your own truth, are you taking that in or are you listening to the Bible when it says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Do you go with the world's view that sex is a basic human right? Or do you go with the Bible's view that it is a gift for a man and a woman when they're married? What is your spiritual diet? Because you're getting something. But are you eating more from Instagram and Netflix and the adverts you see on TV? Or are you getting more of it from the word of God? Now, if I was David, cards on the table, I'd be a little bit frustrated by this answer from God because he is called out to God for help in his distress and um, assuming this is the whole answer, God hasn't really talked about David's distress very much. Um, he's kind of, sort of, if, well, I wasn't king, I'm not King David, thank goodness, um, but if I was him, my response would have been like, you, you've not answered the question, God. But what God is doing is he is making sure that David and us are in the right place to receive answers from God. In verse 4 and 5, uh, we read, Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. And then we see another sailor. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. So we've got another pause here, another time to stop and really think about what we have just read. Uh, now, I'm a parent of three young children. I'm also a secondary school teacher. So a situation I find myself in all the time is one where I have multiple young voices all talking to me at the same time. She did this. It was her fault. He went first. I didn't really do that. It was them. And after a couple of attempts to sort of answer the you know, one or two direct statements, I just have to say, enough. Stop talking. And... What I'm doing in that situation is going, <laughs> more professionally than this, I don't care what you think, I'm the teacher, this is what's going to happen. I'm in charge here, basically. And I think God, with much more love than that, is kind of saying the same thing here. We read, and be silent. He's going, whoa, before you 
come to me with your shopping list and your plan for how your life needs to be better, be silent, pause, consider me. Who do you think I am? How many times do we come to God in prayer with a request and then immediately follow up with the step-by-step plan of how to resolve that? You know, God, there's this person at work who's super annoying. So if you could get them moved to another team or just get them to chill out a bit, that would be great. Um, Or with a really detailed shopping list. You're like, God, don't love my house at the moment, but if I could have that really nice one on Lexton Road, um, that would be great. Um, New job, please, God. New car, please, God. Six-pack, please, God. Yes, I've prayed that one. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. God wants to bless you in ways that you cannot imagine. But he also tells us time and time again that we need to seek him first. Um, we read in Psalm, another psalm, Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now it's really easy to read a verse like that um, or like in um, Matthew 6, I'm not going down, Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and all these things will be given to you. It's really easy to read verses like that and just hear the second part. He will give you the desires of your heart. All these things will be given to you. But that's part two. Part one, delight yourself in the Lord. Seek first, seek first his kingdom. That's my place. The more you seek God, the more you put him first, the more your desires are going to line up with his desires for you. Because God doesn't always give us what we want. And we can think that that is God not answering. But he does answer, he just gives us what we need. And if you come to God treating him like an employee or a vending machine, you are going to get frustrated because he's not always going to say yes. But if you have him at the center of your life and you come before him first acknowledging you are God, I am not, then it all starts to become a lot easier. Paul touches on this a bit in his letter to the Corinthians. Um, We read in 1 Corinthians 1, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And then a bit later on in the same chapter, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. If you try and combine the gospel of the world and the gospel of Jesus Christ, it won't work. There are going to be clashes. There are going to be bits where the word of God doesn't make sense to you. And you think it is foolishness. But the gospel on its own is the wisdom of God. If that's in the center, then everything God says to you will make sense. The the words of the world might not. They will come up against it and clash. And that's why you need to base everything on what God is saying and test everything else you hear by that logic. We need, God is saying in the psalm, stop. Consider me. Get me at the center. 
and then I will give you the desires of your heart because those desires will be the right desires. Are we coming to God because we know he can do anything but without trusting him to have the wisdom or knowledge to know what the right thing is? Are we thinking that's our job? So God will answer. If we come to him in prayer, God will answer. That's not up for debate. We don't need to worry about that bit. What we need to think about is how are we going to respond. And verse 6 kind of represents a fork in the road um, in the psalm. Gives us our choices. How are we going to respond to God? Option A or option B. We read in verse 6. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. So option A, who will show us some good? What's best for me? What do I want? What's my truth? Um, If you don't get what you want from God, try something else. It's a bit like a child asking one parent for an ice cream. And they go, no, you've already had chocolate today. You can't have an ice cream. And then going to the next parent. My parents stayed with us in lockdown, and my son would frequently try, all four of us, (laughs) desperate to get a bit of extra dessert. It's picking and choosing, saying, I like this, the love stuff, and the idea that God's going to give me some nice things, but that stuff about hell, that's a bit heavy. No thanks. I'll try something else for that. Or do we take option B? God is God. Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. Saying, I'm not at the center of the universe. It's coming before God simply on our knees and saying, you are God. I am not. I felt really silly when I met Steve Cropper and told him, you're Steve Cropper. But when we're praying, that is exactly the right approach. We need, we're telling ourselves, God knows, but we're telling ourselves, You are God. You know what's best. As Tom said at the beginning of the service, his purposes are higher than our purposes. Now, often in life, when we're making a big decision, we don't know exactly how it's going to turn out. In this situation, we do. I can tell you how option A and option B are going to turn out when you make that decision. Where does option A lead us? Some of you may have stories of this in your own lives, where you've tried to go it on your own, where you've listened to your own wisdom, the wisdom of the world, and you've got yourself into trouble. Look around us, the world around us. It is full of people, and largely led by people, who have said, I'm God. I'll I'll make my own calls, thanks. I don't need you. And where has that led us? It's a mess out there. You know, look at the news. There's war, there's famine, the wildfires in Hawaii. The world is literally on fire and still we press on thinking we know better than the God that created it all. Where does option B lead then? David concludes, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound or in modern terms, they've got massive houses and fancy cars 
and the nearest iPhone. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So what's it going to be? Will you continue to think that you're at the center of the universe? That everything revolves around you, around us? Or do we put God in his rightful place at the center of and as king of our lives? Band, if you could come up. For some of you, it will be the first time that you are making that call this morning. You are for the first time putting Jesus at the center of your life and saying, I will listen to you first and I will test everything else I hear against your word. You may have made that choice a few weeks ago, a few years ago, a few decades ago. But it is a choice we have to make every day. Every time we see an advert, every time we hear someone speaking on the TV, every time we watch a program, that's some, a lie trying to get in possibly, are we deciding, I'm going to listen to that because I like the sound of it, or are we going to say, no, that is not true. God, you are the only source of truth. I would say to you, decide now. We're going to take communion. We're going to have a time of worship to respond. Make your decision today. As we take communion, let's think about what God has done. You know, the source of that humble confidence that I spoke about at the beginning, that he has shed his blood and allowed his body to be broken so that we can come before God. But also in acknowledging that it was God's plan. It wasn't our idea. He knew that the only way for us to be with him was to send Jesus. And we start from there and we acknowledge that he is king. As um, Roy spoke about, that we remove our doubts, that we are not doubting Thomas anymore, that we stand before him and say, my Lord, my king. Um, So as the band play, we're going to take communion, um, get, get in groups of twos and threes, Um, or or sit by yourself um, and consider it um, personally if you would prefer. But let's make sure we choose. Option A, I am God. Option B, he is God. I'll take option B, please.